Hello. I know that you are all as excited as we are for us to return to our chapter episode, so I'm going to keep this brief. I want to let you know that part two of our gender and sexuality advice episode is going up on Patreon today. It's available for everyone to listen to, and I will put the link in our show notes so that you can find it. Speaking of Patreon, we're doing a new thing where we basically are going to be live tweeting watches of terrible fantasy movies in our patron-only Discord. Um, The first one of these is going to be on July 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, and we're going to be watching Warriors of Virtue, which is a movie about anthropomorphic ninja kangaroos. Um, If you're a patron of ours and you haven't set up your Discord yet, make sure you do that before then. And with that... Gay people love puns. I'm dead. (laughs) We have to stop this podcast. This book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. (laughs) You shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. (laughs) Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about (laughs) Harry Potter. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin Dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about Chapter 6 of Goblet of Fire, The Portkey, in which the gang and the twins get up hella early to hike to the Portkey Point, which will take them to the World Cup which is yet another terrible form of magical transportation. Uh, y'all, this chapter is mostly just plot set up. We meet, quote-unquote, extremely handsome Cedric Diggory, <laughs> Hufflepuff, his dad Amos, uh, learn more about Apparition, the, the spell Asio, and the logistical nightmare of having 100,000 witches in one place without muggles knowing that they're there. Yep. Real quick before I read the headlines, y'all, I'm recording in a different room than usual and also have a fan on me because, as you probably are aware, it's been like 115 degrees in Portland and it's not safe for me to record in the room that doesn't have the AC, so if the sound is weird, that's why. But hopefully it's not. Uh, Anyway, let's start this off with today's headlines. Depiction of Molly Weasley is just one big pile of evidence that this author is not a feminist. Yep. That's great. That's perfect. Thanks. All right. We turn to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Jesse, would you like to start us off? Yes. I'm going to start us off with maybe the most noticeable point of bad exposition in this chapter, which is Fred asking about why can't they just apparate, which is like. So Harry will know about apparition license and blah, 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 and being old enough. But really, I feel as if Fred should already know this. It feels similar to knowing as an American teen and child how old you had to be in order to drive, which you could get your learner's permit at 16 and then could drive by yourself at 18. And I mean, I didn't do any of those things. I didn't learn to drive until I was like you in the 30s. You can drive when you're 16. You could drive when you're 16. I knew that. By in elementary school. So this is just very clumsy exposition. Yeah, I caught that too, because they don't even take 
lessons until sixth year, right? And aren't Fred and George about to enter fifth year? Well, no, they took, they're entering their sixth year because they already took their owls. Because oh, right. that was one of the things that she was angry about. Right, right, right. Yeah. It would have been so easy. I feel like this is always like, here's a terrible plot thing. Here's a really fucking easy fix, which is them just being like, oh, I wish I already had my apparition license. Done. Fixed. Why? Right. It's like, oh, I can't wait to learn this next year. It's the only thing I want to learn is, which yeah. I mean, given what how ingenious the twins are, it probably literally is the only thing left that they want to learn in school that could like move their improve their lives and their future careers so true yeah uh my first thing is that i would be the muggle who is always accidentally getting port keyed places because i'm a chronic (laughs) litter picker upper (laughs) (laughs) maybe the one muggle just like wandering around the quidditch world cup like what the fuck all i did was try to like throw away this boot i don't understand (laughs) Uh, sorry, I'm just imagining, like, someone from the ministry, and they're like, how do you think you got here? I'm like, I think I'm actually tripping. Maybe this has LSD on it. (laughs) And they're like, cool, keep thinking that. And then they just magic you back to where you are. (laughs) And you're just like, I had the weirdest, like, like, LSD, like, drug flashback. Oh my god. Incredible. (laughs) Uh, actually, my next point connects greatly to this. Which is, if I had seen evidence or seen someone being splinched, I would want the ministry to come and wipe my memory of that. Because that is some straight-up disgusting body horror in a way that's just like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we have to do a deep dive into splinching in health and science because I have so many questions. Yeah, I actually, I actually put a bunch of stuff about that and apparition in general in health and science. Yeah, that's the one the one time I think I uh, with am with you I might consent to having my mind wiped by them. <laughs> like I don't I don't want to see that. Yeah. Ugh. I don't want to think about this ever again. <laughs> one of my like greatest mostly irrational fears is that I'll be walking my dogs in the woods and they'll lead me to a dead body and I'm like I don't want that at all. I feel that I thought that isn't irrational because I also have that same concern about like walking somewhere like in the woods or in a park and there's just like a dead body. Maybe it's just because of all of the like Law and Order and other related shows that we have been consuming since the 90s. It's just like there are bodies everywhere. Yeah, I didn't realize how much that had sunk in until the first time I been to New York. And whenever I go to New York, like Central Park is such a gorgeous park. I love it. But every time I'm there, I'm like, I'm going to find a body here. And it's just, it's just 110% law and order propaganda into my, into my brain from when I was like, right, in middle school watching SVU. Being like, there's just always bodies in Central Park. So many bodies in Central Park. That's just how it goes. So I'm going to get to the fact that uh, Cedric is so handsome. Does it say extremely handsome? Extraordinarily handsome? Uh, It is extremely handsome is the exact quote that Harry gives us about Cedric Diggory. Little baby Harry. So excited. Not just like handsome or like good looking. It's like extremely handsome. It's like, (laughs) all right, Harry. (laughs) How old is Harry at this point? He's 14 because we're in book four or is about to be 14. Whatever. I don't think I even used the word handsome when I was 14. 
but I'm very into it as a as a descriptor that Harry's walking around throwing out just my extremely handsome classmate. <laughs> and I feel okay, so I don't know if maybe this is the place to get into it. Part of my annoyance about this chapter. And maybe we get a better description of Cedric in the last book. I don't actually remember. But it's like, okay, he's extremely handsome. What does he look like? Mm. Can we get even the singlest, even another descriptive word about him? But then I'm like, oh, we clearly already know Harry's type. So he's probably tall and just, I don't know. Pretty. Looks like pretty. Could probably be a lead singer and, you know, a rock band of some kind. Kind of pretty. Yeah. I think we do get descriptions later. I feel like he's described as having gray eyes. Maybe. Maybe. No, actually, I don't remember. I'm sure we get maybe a description. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, actually, now that you say that, he is maybe the only character in the book that I imagine as the actor who plays him in the movie, which I would assume means that I didn't have a solid pre-existing image of him in my mind for the first I mean I watched the movies for the first time when I was 28 or 27 Mm -hmm. somewhere in there so for the first 20 years almost of having read the books I like didn't have anything solid that that the movie couldn't write over yeah and I mean Robert Patterson is attractive enough to be like you're you're a decent stand-in for a an attractive nice dude (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) He's not my type, but he is a type for sure. Yeah, same. Oh, uh, I'm very here for Percy's smug apparating to breakfast from his room. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It just makes me laugh, and I'm like, of Percy. I would totally do that. Uh, yeah, so would I. Uh, okay. We gotta talk about sports. We haven't talked about sports for a while. Uh, as an issue, not like the sport itself, but like sports culture. Because the twins are apparently like so mad at Cedric that they're not speaking to him because he won at Quidditch one time. And Cedric's dad is so smug about him winning at Quidditch one time that he's like, one for the history books. You beat Harry Potter at a sports game where one (laughs) or the other of you has to win. Like, there's a (laughs) 50-50 chance here. (laughs) I mean, not really. It's stacked because Harry has a broom that no one else can compete with, but... Yeah, yeah. And it's... You're totally right. And... Right. The idea of anyone... Let alone Cedric, considering what we know of him, we get from of his character in this chapter to be like telling. I mean, literal R.I.P. Uh, but telling his grandkids like, "Oh yeah, one time I beat Harry Potter at, at school Quidditch." Like, right. It's like your dad doesn't have very high hopes for your future accomplishments. Uh, uh, everyone needs to calm down about sports. Yeah, and sports achievements. Or, for, in this instance, quote-unquote achievements, which Amos was very LOL about also. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. If it's not like an Olympic sport that you're doing, I'm like, I don't understand being like, it's like, cool, all right. 
Yeah, I just feel like winning one sports game is never like one to write home about, you know, unless it's against a team that's just so much more incredible than you. I guess maybe that is the case, but still his dad knows that it happened because Dementors came on the field. So it's not, I'm sure it doesn't feel good to Cedric to have people be like, that one time that Harry fell off his broom and you caught the snitch, you're great for that. That must feel real shitty. Yeah. Anyway. What do you have here? Uh, I want to pose a question to you about what you think Molly was doing in the house by herself. Because after when all the kids, so she gets at least a day and a half, two days to herself in the house. I was just imagining her like listening to the radio and like drinking a lot of wine. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, taking long baths, probably. I was going to say like, she can't talk on the phone. I don't feel like it's super luxurious to just write letters back and forth with someone while you're having, you know, yeah, wine and bubble bath time. Definitely listening to Celestina Warbeck, top volume. Oh, yeah, definitely. I hope. I hope. She goes to, doesn't she go to Diagon Alley and get everybody's school books while they're gone? And she probably fucking cleans the house from top to bottom because J.K. Rowling sucks. Ac- ac- actual scoundrel jk actual start i'm sorry yes we agreed <laughs> that we were that we were always saying that yes scoundrel jkr sucks uh also she searched the twins room oh yeah she totally did which i think we're gonna get into later i'm assuming yes, yeah we are. okay i'm so mad about it yeah so yeah i just wanted to bring that up because i just had a very vivid image of her like sitting in the garden with like a giant glass of wine yeah you know i i really really hope so i hope she had a like beautiful just wine mom weekend yeah maybe she magically embroidered some throw pillows with sayings (laughs) on them (laughs) Uh, that is i don't know why that makes me laugh so much um, I'm glad it does because I'm working on a new merch item, which is a throw pillow that says throw your parents into the sun. So I'm very excited about that. That is so great. <laughs> we're going to have some great new merch pretty soon. Now that we're going in on just like wonderfully clever things that we say during episodes, everyone, we're also going to have merch pretty soon that says my vegetarian phase lasted longer than the Confederacy. (laughs) Which I feel like for a lot of folks is true. It's very true. Yeah, mine sure did. Um, Anyway, yes. Uh, Okay. Uh, First off is that uh, actual scoundrel JKR went really overboard with the weasel theme of the area that the Weasleys live in. So the town is Ottery St. Catchpole, and the hill that they go on is Stoat's Head Hill. And Stoat's just another word for weasel. And it's just... Oh, Otter. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, pole is... The, aren't pole cats also weasels? You know, I keep meaning to figure that out. You listen to it comes up a lot in his dark materials, and I'm like, literally, what the fuck is a pole cat? It's actually... Looking at this picture, I would call it a ferret. That would cute. make sense. Yeah. Yeah. One of, I think, maybe my favorite line in this chapter is Arthur telling Amos that, like, oh, yeah, only the redheads are mine. 
And I just want to imagine how many times Arthur's in the past, like, been out with, like, three or four of his kids and their friends, and someone's just like, are, are all any of these kids yours? He's like, no, the redheaded ones are mine. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like a very practiced line. That's cute. I like it. Yeah, it just, it made me laugh. And just, like, I don't know. I just really like Arthur Reasley. He also, bless him, just introduces Harry as... Ron's other friend. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and I'm like, I just, I don't know, it's just very, it's just so nice just to be real chill about it and be like understated completely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Harry fucking appreciated it so much. Yeah. Even if Amos, of course, had to take it to the next level and Harry's just like, uh, yeah, thanks for knowing who I am. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh my God. He makes it so awkward. Yes, yeah, so intense. Um, and I guess just my last thing is just LOL sob about Amos talking about Cedric's grandkids. Oh, God, about his I know. grandkids. And I'm just like, what? Is, why? Why? Why <laughs> twist the knife this early? Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, it's, I don't know, man. It was one of the parts of this chapter that I was like, yep, that's <gasps> good writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. It hurts on reread. Yeah. To be like, you're so excited. Welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up. Let's talk about Molly, please. All right, let's talk about Molly. Okay. I, I wrote, what in the sexist nonsense? Why is she not going to the World Cup, first of all? Just let's start there. It's not that it's, like, not for girls, because Hermione and Jenny are going. Right. Why isn't Molly going? I mean, that is an excellent question. I assume Molly was like, please let me have this two days to myself. Take all these take all these kids. I mean, we can, in world, explain it away with that, but I don't think that's why she was written, to not be going to the World Cup. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, that would be a generous reading, which we're not doing. Um, yeah, just sexism. It's like, moms don't do fun things. I mean, do we... I mean, now that I think about it, we don't really ever see Molly any place besides Diagon Alley, her home, and then when she's at Hogwarts at the very, like, last three pages of the battle. Like, she doesn't go anywhere. No, she doesn't. I mean, she's at she's at Grimwald Place, but she's oh, right. living there and just, like, taking care of everyone just like she does so it doesn't really count yeah do you think she has friends i don't know no i don't think she has friends i mean i also okay i also don't think she has friends because i've known people whose moms have been the kind of moms where it's like their kids are their entire lives and it's Really intense and a lot of times not super healthy for their, yeah. for their kids. And I feel like the way that Molly is written is like that. Yeah. I want Molly to have a book club or like a knitting group or both. Mm-hmm. I hate, I hate, I hate it. I hate the way that she's written. Also, so I, I have a lot of frustration with her in this chapter. But before we get to that, I just want to complain about just how she is presented to us. So we see her, she's a human alarm clock. Which seems bizarre in a magical world. Right? That, are you, like, are you shitting me? 
You could have actual birds wake you up at this point. You have magic. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and then, I mean, she's she's awake cooking for everyone, waking everyone up at, you know, fuck o'clock in the morning when she doesn't need to be. She's not going. But she's fucking awake, waking people up, cooking them breakfast. For what? Like, why can't, why couldn't Arthur have done that and let her have a lion? Because... He's leaving and she's not leaving. Right. Yeah. Everyone could have been fine making their own toast or whatever. Yeah. You know, or some snacks. Yeah. And I mean, it is very frustrating. And especially when you think about Bill and Charlie and Percy. Well, I mean, Percy's living at home, but like he has a job. But like grown ass adults, grown ass adult men, which is IRL. One of the things that is super annoying about dudes, says dudes is like dudes who are like in their mid to late 20s taking their laundry home for their moms to do and it's like are you shitting me yeah you're what and i want to preface that by saying i'm talking about dudes who don't have any kind of impairment to prevent them from doing these things like cooking for themselves or doing their own laundry they just do right because the patriarchy right and these are skills as a person you should know how to do for yourself if you're able to do them absolutely you know? and so i think between last chapter and this chapter like you could totally imagine bill and charlie being like cool i brought some laundry with me um this duffel bag if you could just like wash it and fold it in my bed for me thanks and she would and it's just like what i weirdly don't think that bill or charlie would do that not because she taught them differently because i think molly would would be super down to do that but because it feels like and i think we talked about this last time even though it's been like two months since we recorded that episode but it feels like they have very intentionally tried to sort of separate themselves from the family in a way that to me feels like they have gotten very good at doing their own laundry and like cooking Mm. for themselves but percy even if he didn't live at home feels very much like he would oh, you're right. be like, mom, do my laundry. Just like full entitlement of just why would I do this for myself when my mom has volunteered to do it for me? Yeah, it's like I'm busy and important. I don't have time to do my own laundry or yeah, cook an actual meal for myself. Yeah. And I, I feel like the Molly that we are given is hurt by the fact that Bill and Charlie don't bring laundry home for her to do. I'm sure she insists on doing, like, cleaning any clothes that they dirty while they're there. Yeah. No, you're right. Or maybe attempting to, because I think giving at least definitely Bill's vibe, it's, oh, you have a kind of scuffed, dingy leather coat on purpose. (laughs) Molly's probably forever trying to be like, can I get you a nicer coat? Yeah. Or at least let me polish and, like, take care of the leather. And he's like, no, this is intentional. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Although I feel like his clothes are also a combination of that and things that are, like, dry clean only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're totally right. And Molly is like, it's ridiculous to have dry clean only clothes. Like, just let me, I'll be, I'll clean it. And Bill's like, don't you fucking touch my dry clean only pants. Absolutely not. Yep, yep, <laughs> you're, you're right. It's very hot. No, definitely. Yeah, and I'm sure all of Charlie's clothing is just whatever the magical equivalent of Carhartt is. 
Yeah, definitely. Or I guess the European version of whatever Carhartt or Dickies is. Yeah. So maybe Carhartt or Dickies. I actually, I don't know. I think they're both made in the U.S., pretty yeah. sure. No, yeah, they're both made in the U.S. I guess I just didn't know if, I mean, I'm sure there is an equivalent brand that people are like, this is for people who work in construction and work outdoors and pretentious hipsters who want to look like they're the common person. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, if you're okay with it, I think it makes sense to transition from the things that we hate about how Molly is written to the things that we hate about how Molly treats her children. Yes. It's a good... Do you want to start? Just the ever... I mean, the way that Molly treats the twins, it's just forever painful and just... It just at least for me, just feels too much like y'all are too neurodiverse for the rest of this family or neuroatypical for the rest of this family. Why can't you succeed in a way that is like conventional and normal and not in this quote unquote weird way? Uh, And which is just 110% like what's going on with the twins. I know. So it's like, who the fuck cares? They got like three, like three owls total. The, 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 the part where they're like, we spent six months developing those. And she's like, you wasted six months just makes me so sad. That, like, no, your fucking kids spent six months working on one project and created magic that no one had created before. Whether or not you think that magic is, you know, useful or whatever. I mean, for the love of God, people get scholarships for shit like that. I, and yeah. she just fucking throws it away. She's like, why didn't you destroy it? And it's like, because they've been worked. Like, what the hell? What the hell? Oh, God. Yeah. No wonder. I mean, like, they leave without talking to her. And I'm like, yeah, she, like, betrayed them as a parent. Yeah, it's like... Could you have ground their self-esteem and self-worth any lower into the ground in your lack and your negative support of their endeavors? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like to just be like, oh, that's not a valid, like, you didn't do real learning just because you didn't do the learning that, you know, was given to you to be doing. I, it just seems wild to me. The idea of someone being like, oh, yeah, you taught yourself without any lessons how to do this incredibly complicated thing that's not worthwhile is just like, why would you why would you say that? You can be like, I need you to prioritize your time better. I would really appreciate it if we could figure out a way for you both to do your schoolwork so you can graduate and do this thing that you're interested in. But there's no reason to be like, this skill that you spent a ton of time and effort teaching yourself how to do doesn't matter. Yeah. That's just fucked up. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's so fucked up and also so frustrating because, and I mean, I don't know. I don't even know if Molly would be reacting differently to this if she knew that the twins mind you know the way their mind works was 
different than like the you know her other kids even though i mean i think also charlie is you don't just fuck off like across the continent away from your family to hang out with dragons all the time if you're like neuro neurotypical that just not that does not to me sound like a that's like a thing i would do (laughs) i mean i don't know about that i think fair i think that he can be neurotypical and also have wanted to like fuck off across the country because like he's asexual or you know there's a variety of reasons that one might want to get away from parents like the weasleys though you know being asexual and very into dragons is absolutely something that i think that comes with neurodiversity so i just assume anyone who wants to spend time more with animals than people it's like you're we're on the same same wavelength in a good way i'm like yes you're my people which is to say let's just all separately be hanging out with our animal friends Uh, this Uh, is why you should join our patreon so that you can join our discord where people just share pictures of their pets with each other and compliment each other's pets all the time and it's so cute it's very lovely i literally forgot where we were oh yeah molly Molly throwing out the twins is six six months of work. I would be livid. Yeah, I would have been screaming back probably because that's just it. I just would have lost my goddamn mind. I know. Yeah. So my next thing is is about apparition, which is at least from the information we get in this chapter, it seems to be the most regulated thing besides I don't know being a werewolf that we get in this whole fucking series. Mm-hmm. Like you have to take a test and have a license. There are fines. If you break the law, uh, it seems from what the sense we get like very heavily regulated. And I'm like, you guys are regulating the, maybe not the wrong things like cauldron bottoms makes a lot of sense. Apparition seems very dangerous, makes a lot of sense. And yet everything going out of Hogwarts, these seven books is just free reign. Just do whatever you want, Hogwarts. It seems like they regulate, like, transportation generally. Like, the flu network is regulated. Port keys are regulated. Apparition is regulated. I think regulating the flu network makes sense so that you can't just, like, flew into a muggle's house. That would be fucked up. Yeah. Port keys, yeah, because if, like, if you fuck with a muggle, whatever. Apparition, apparition, whatever only affects you like i actually i think it makes sense to offer lessons i don't think it makes sense that you necessarily need a license any more than you need a license to fly a broom which you can hurt someone else doing and is much more likely to be seen by a muggle this is just like you can splint yourself that only affects you like don't we need driver's licenses and to have that regulated because you can hurt other people isn't that sort of the whole thing is like yeah you can kill other people with a car yeah i don't know i don't know it seems it seems i think you're right it does seem very confusing why this seems so tightly regulated it's also weird because i mean obviously i don't i don't think they can track everyone who's apparating but then you only catch people who do things like splinch themselves and then you find them as if having splinched themselves is not punishment enough and reason yeah. enough to not fucking apparate again until you know what you're doing 
Yeah, I feel like my question is, where do these fines go? To the ministry, I'm sure. Yeah. Which I guess we did the question, which I'm sure I must have asked, if, if, if anyone is paying taxes, but... Yeah, it's a really good question. I want to talk about the fact that apparently people who can't afford good tickets have to take two extra weeks off of work to go to the game. This is literally my next thing. <laughs> I, if I didn't know for a fact that J.K. Rowling has been broke in her life, like started off her writing career legitimately broke, I would be like, you must have always been wealthy. Like, how do you write this? I don't understand. Actually, okay, actually, I have a different take on this in which this makes total sense to me because... I was trying to figure out exactly how to, like, if there's, like, a phrase for this. But basically one of the fucked up things about poverty, at least how poverty works in the United States, is that things take so much more time for impoverished folks than people who have money to sort of grease the wheels for things. Like, every social public service thing takes forever. And a lot of times it's like, and, and for a lot of those things, it's like you got to show up and you got to wait because it's like not like you can make an appointment. It's just like first come, first serve kind of deals. And so I and so I actually think that like it seems disgustingly realistic for it's like, oh, you can't afford this. the cheap sheets. You need to be here two weeks before everyone else while someone like the Malfoys can probably just show up 20 minutes before the game and be like, cool, I didn't have to do I didn't have to waste any of my more valuable time. I mean, yes and, though, because if you have to buy the cheap tickets and it's like, okay, well, you have to show up two weeks early, then you just be like, well, I can't go, right? Like, if you have to be at work for those two weeks, then even if you could afford cheap tickets, you still wouldn't actually be able to go to the game. Yeah, it is... It is kind of... the, The logistics of that don't make as much sense unless it's kind of like unless maybe the like it's kind of like at that point the only people probably buying those seats are or those tickets are people like luna's deck i cannot remember how to pronounce his name who work for themselves or like probably like young people like people in their 20s who could just take two weeks to like camp in a moor uh for two weeks waiting for the world cup yeah it's also confusing because the game lasts for an indeterminate amount of time. So if you work in the witching world, I guess people are just like, well, the game's still going, so you're not coming back to work. But if you work in the muggle world, like, you're fucked. You're very <laughs> fucked. Uh, I also think, I also was thinking that the, the, the port key has kind of the same vibe. because So they get up right at the ash crack of dawn to walk an indeterminate distance for an indeterminate amount of time, like an hour or 45 minutes to take a 7.30 a.m. port key. And this is basically, in my brain, the equivalent of taking a, like, like, getting an Amtrak ticket that's, like, at a weird time because the weird, inconvenient times, like, you're leaving at 11.30 and getting in at, like, 6.45 or the ones that are, like, $30 cheaper than getting, leaving at normal, at a, like, regular time and, like, getting, arriving at a, like, reasonable hour. Yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, the 7.30 a.m. port key, I would have not have made. Oh, God, I know. Yeah. I've taken so many 
but crack of dawn flights and i'm just so grateful that evan is a morning person because he's just like (laughs) wake up i made you coffee try not to be grumpy everything's ready to go all you have to do is (laughs) wake up and not yell at anyone (laughs) like thank you uh yeah it's good for at least one person to be a morning person yeah yeah, I think I'm in the Evan situation because I can function without coffee and because I don't drink coffee, but Nicole can't. Yeah. So it's always like, oh, you haven't drank coffee yet. That's why <laughs> you were like glaring daggers at me. I'm just going <laughs> to be real quiet until you finish that. And I'll just, I'll just be over here. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Welcome to Advertisements, where we ask you for money and then make you laugh. Um, the first advert is not actually an advert. I just wrote you all a little poem. (laughs) (laughs) This pod is made possible by listeners like you. Please go leave us a five-star review. It makes us so glad and tells people we're rad, so they'll want to start listening, too. Oh, that's so great! Thank you. I love it. Uh, I know that's like the limerick cadence, but I based it on Jenny's uh, Valentine to Harry. All right, next <laughs> next ad. This episode is brought to you by Muggle Magic. Muggle Magic is a six-week program created by Muggleborns designed to help the modern witch understand and navigate the world we share with muggles, whether we like it or not. Topics <laughs> include dressing like a muggle at any age, muggle transportation and how it can improve your life, using muggle money, common muggle terms and how to use them and more so if you're sick of sneaking around relying on terribly uncomfortable methods of transportation and being restricted to the minuscule part of the country witches have carved out for themselves sign (laughs) up for muggle magic today listeners of the gaily prophet get half off our bonus driver's education program when they sign up using the offer code gaily (laughs) (sighs) yeah i mean there are a lot of downsides to cars, but there is literally no good transportation option in the witching world. I guess besides apparating. Yeah. All right. Yes. Let's let this kickstart our editorial section. So. Welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff. Just everything about the reason that they can't get there in reasonable ways doesn't even make any sense it's like we can't all crowd their transportation systems and it's like they will not notice i don't know what you're talking about you can all go get on a train at the same time and people will be like there must be an event happening somewhere done end of thought ugh the train is full today i'm gonna keep looking at my phone like What the hell? This is so silly. This is so silly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I bet all the Muggleborns and people who are married to Muggles and Half-Bloods who are raised with Muggle parents or in some way relating to the Muggle world just fucking took a cab there the day of. And we're like, oh, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Missed my port key. (laughs) Oh, well. The only thing I could think of is, I guess I don't, I can't really visualize what 100,000 people coming into a, like, into an area is, but it's like, and maybe the UK 
muggle government would notice like who are all these weirdos coming out of nowhere all of a sudden but even that seems like probably wouldn't have happened i mean given that anyone who's coming without kids is almost certainly apparating that Mm -hmm. takes it down already by a huge chunk i think yeah and that's true i mean they're staggering arrivals apparently but like they could all just like rent cars i don't know there's there's definitely much easier ways that I just feel like they created a lot of trouble for themselves where they really didn't have to. Yeah. And I, and I was I was thinking about this earlier because in a lot of ways I actually kind of I actually really enjoy the discussion of this sort of logistics of, you know, oh, we're having this giant we're having this international magical sporting event and here are some logistical issues and i'm like yes tell me more about these yeah issues but really the ministry of magic just could have gone to the british government and be like hey we're having like a burning man (laughs) and everyone would have been like all these weirdos and cloaks like all right they're going to going to burning man okay absolutely (laughs) and also i mean just a at a you know scaling way back level if they had fucking cars molly could have driven everyone to the port key and then driven home and they wouldn't have had to walk for 45 minutes you know yeah amos and cedric i don't does cedric have a mom i uh no he totally does who also isn't going because sports matches are for young women but not adult women apparently Moms don't watch sports. Didn't you know that? <laughs> Even sports that their children play and excel at. They're like, I have no interest in that. Anyway, yeah, they could have gotten rides. They could have, you know, parked in a fucking parking ride in town and then walked up the hill. There's just, this is ridiculous. No, you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. That, yep, just full stop. Uh, yeah, what else? Uh, port keys are a good idea in concept, but seem like a terrible way to tra- to go anywhere. In physically a terrible way, or? Oh, yeah, just physically. I mean, the weird jerking sensation that Harry describes seems not fun. I imagine that it feels like going down a hill on a roller coaster. I think that's what I've always pictured. Which I don't like. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but I will say that it makes sense for me to that not all the transportation seems painless because it's kind of like IRL transportation where it's like cars and trains are cool, but a lot of people get motion sick and planes are cool, but people like me hate that fucking shit. And it's just kind of like it's hard to get around and it's like walking is fine, but you're going real slow. So I feel like it makes sense for Porky's to have like that weird it's not just all like you blink and you're there and it's not like you've even done anything. Yeah. But it still would not be my preferred method of going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like that it's fast. I just think it's annoying that you can't just be like, make a port key where you are. I know. Why couldn't the World Cup, the Mitchells have mailed all of the UK witches a port key? Like, cool. What a great question, this, Jesse. This, bo- this bottle cap <laughs> that Just you send is going to leave. fucking owl. The letter itself is the port key. 
Holy shit. Oh. Yes. They're timer <laughs> activated, even though they won't be at the end of this book. But currently, they're timer activated. They could have just sent everyone a port key by Owl. Oh, but then how would we have had this exchange with Cedric and Amos if they're not trucking at dawn to hike up a hill after eating breakfast, which sounds terrible. I would have been They so left angry. at 2 a.m. What the fuck? Were Amos works for, for the ministry. <laughs> like, Were they walking for four hours? Apparently. Like, what is happening? They have brooms. Why couldn't they just like stash their brooms somewhere? Ridiculous. Yeah. Also, isn't... Sorry. Cedric's the seventh year, right? He should have passed his test. Is he? Yeah. Because you have to be a seventh year to sign up for the... No, you just you just have to be 16. You so Because there are, I think, are there... Because I think there's, there are sixth and seventh years who try to put uh, their... Then you have to be in. 17, right? Because they come of age at 17. I got it. Hang on. You have to be over 17. Okay. I mean, I guess in theory, he could be a sixth year. My next one is uh, Cedric's dad sucks. What the hell? <laughs> you mean being all weird about Cedric beating Harriet? <laughs> He's so rude. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's like, how, how, how? Just... From from jump, you know, he's like, oh my god, Harry Potter, look at your scar, let me look at you. And then he's like, remember that one time my kid beat you at sports? <laughs> it's so great, my kid's so great, he beat you at sports, remember? Harry, and Harry's like, the fuck, how am I supposed to respond <laughs> to this? It's so awkward. I, th- I, th- I think I just always read it as Amos being so extra because Cedric is, like, their only kid, and... I mean, from all we get from the book, not a shitty person, you know. It, but it does seem weird for you to be like, ha ha! Yeah. I mean, he can <laughs> brag about it around the, you know, water cooler at work or whatever, but like, to Harry's actual face? That's too much. Don't do that. Yeah, it's really intense. But I think that's why, like, we get right off the bat about what a good kid Cedric is because he's like oh come on dad like he fell off his broom like it wasn't it wasn't like a big triumph like yeah he had a health emergency and almost died so and just and just him like saying that and being like oh I know it's just it's just it's so endearing I'm like oh you're just too good he you're is. like dad come on it's not what happened <laughs> and it's like oh it, that's yeah. So it seems kind of weird to me that Amos and Arthur are kind of like, is this it? Is anyone else coming? And I'm like, don't you guys know probably anyone who lives in a hundred mile radius? Like, there's only, there's not that many witches in, in Britain. Like, uh, isn't this basically just like y'all are in a small town, a very large, geographically small town? Which led me to think about how weird it is that. I don't know, Cedric and the Weasley kids didn't, like, hang out together before school or something, you know? Like, and I mean, I guess that the Weasleys are a big enough family, you don't need to bring other children in to, like, hang out with your kids, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if they're coming from direct opposite directions and Cedric and his dad walked for 
four hours and the Weasleys just walk for 45 minutes and they don't have cars. I don't really know how they would get their kids together. That is true. I mean, they could have like flewed over. Oh, that's true. But they could flew anywhere. Yeah. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me that a lot of the kids act like they're only meeting each other at school when it's like... I think they are. I don't think that these kids have robust social lives before age 11, and it's a miracle that any of them know how to make a friend. Which is why they should all just fucking live in society with muggles to your children. I mean, this is the 90s. Like, these kids should just be running around outside, playing... Like, playdate wasn't even a word that existed yet when you and I were growing up. You just played. You just went outside and played. That's true. I know. These kids don't even have bikes. Like, I don't. it doesn't look like anyone gets brooms to go hang out, fly over to their friend's house. They I can't. Know. Just... I know. I mean, I don't... My mom is, like, extremely antisocial, so maybe this wasn't, like, super common. But, like... I ne- she never set up a like play situation for me from the time that I was like six years old and knew how to use a phone. My friends and I called each other and were like, do you want to come over? Can I come over? Whatever. And like we set it up. Anytime someone's like mom was like, I want to talk to Lark's mom first. My mom was like, why? <laughs> I feel like I learned well from her. She's like, the fuck? Why are you handing me a phone? How dare you? <laughs> Yeah, I think my mom only did that for, that I can remember, like, once or twice. And there'd be like, hey, I have a co-worker who has a kid that's exactly your age. We should hang out. Yeah. Like, but also, I was also a weird kid, so I'm kind of like... And, like, the block that I grew up on, like, there's a ton of kids. So it's like, I didn't need to go anywhere to interact with kids, but... Yeah, totally. I mean, before... I think before I was maybe in like second or third grade i didn't have any friends that i couldn't just like see their house from my house anyway yeah i don't know anyone from a small town want to weigh in on this because again i grew up in a city so i don't know what happens if your next neighbor is five miles away (laughs) i mean evan grew up like that he and his brother rode bikes to their like in situations where i'm like (laughs) that is dangerous I, even as someone who thinks that it was better when kids could just have some fucking freedom, am like, no, those roads are narrow. People drive so fast. Holy shit, you're like six years old riding your bike like five miles to your friend's house? That's ridiculous. But that is the answer, I think, to the question. (laughs) (laughs) At least with a broom, you're not going to get hit by a car. You're above. This This is true. This is very true. Yeah, it... It seems weird the only people we see doing this is Harry, who has such a terrible home life. He doesn't want to, he wants to actively get away. And Snape's flashbacks, which, honestly, same reason. So. Yeah. Maybe only the muggle kids are like, all right, well, let's go hang out. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we're hitting, touching upon why this, the witching world is so dysfunctional. I mean, I think so. These kids are so isolated. Okay, so I have one last thing. Okay. Which is, do you think the love goods are poor? Probably. All right. Because it's been a while since I've read the later books when we go to her house, besides her very tender uh, mural, which makes me cry every time. And her dad being a super big weirdo. 
But yeah, like they've been there for a week already. <laughs> Which is like, again, like, Xenophilius, however you pronounce his name, like he works for himself. I think it's Xen- Xenophilius. Xenophilius. Luna's dad works for himself, so of course he can be camping in a beautiful moor for however long he wants to. Like, he's in charge. Right. And like... Let's be real, there are no other employees at the Quibbler. Right. <laughs> There's maybe one person who, like, owls in some articles, but he is the only person who works there. So, of course, he can just be like, I'm off. Right. Me and Luna's going to hang out looking for cool bugs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that we are supposed to assume that he doesn't make a lot of money from, I mean, his potential purchasing public is already a very small pool of people and then his newspaper is sort of maligned within that pool of people so yeah and they're a single income household Mm -hmm. though i guess that's sort of everyone in the witching world because gender dynamics women aren't mothers and work lark (laughs) no it's impossible the gender politics of this book is so fucked Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Everything I have here is about apparition. Me too. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Uh, sure. It's so, I think, you know, we've gone back and forth on like, why don't people just apparate with their kids? And I've sort of been like, I think it's hard. I think that side along apparating is really hard and you have to be very good and like very magically powerful to do it i feel like that gets confirmed in this conversation with arthur where he's like yeah no like even well-established witches you know people who are like very good at magic generally are like fuck that actually so it it does make it make a little more sense that people are putting their kids on the hogwarts express right are they using the flu or they're using port keys or however all the various ways harry is getting around yeah up until book seven. Right. Yeah. So that leads me to the my kind of big question, which is what what actually is happening when you're apparating? And I think the fact that it seems super dangerous and a lot of witches are like, nah, I'm good. And the fact that you're literally, if you fuck it up, you leave parts of yourself, maybe half of yourself, I don't know if that's a correction or not, in the place that you originally were. And then part of it is in the place where you're trying to go. Right. So this has to be like, you were moving across space time in a way that is very probably not very well understood. Right. And like, where are you going in that second when you aren't here or there? Like, I mean, in in a different kind of world building, that shit would make you go mad because you're just sort of in the empty expanse of the universe, question mark? Like, what is happening? Yeah. Do they go the same place that vanished objects go? Oh, maybe. I feel like there's some kind of weird, like, dark matter at play with this. Like, this is some weird year breaking the laws of space and time that only happen at wormholes. And it's like, is this a tiny wormhole? Right. I mean, it's teleportation without a computer. And, like, computers are the primary thing that would make teleportation possible because it stores your information and then re 
downloads yeah. it, you know. Right. And then this, I mean, I guess the sense of how I've always thought about apparition is that it must be, you have to focus really hard on like keeping your body intact and then also magically teleporting yourself to a place. So of course people splinch themselves. Like I can't, I mean, I can barely, you know, eat and walk without tripping, like trying to imagine keeping my body together while I hurl myself through space and time across hundreds of miles. Yeah. Leaving parts of me behind. That sounds hard as fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's really wild. I mean, it's really wild. Especially knowing what we know about, like, actual teleportation and how, you know, one tiny glitch in the 3D printed new version of you would mean that, you you know, your, your new, newly uploaded downloaded whatever newly printed self would be dead as opposed to alive Mm -hmm. it's like okay so these people splinch themselves and yet somehow they're fine they're like not bleeding they're is their consciousness in two places at once like what's happening yeah and we get a lot of like surface stuff but like right what happens if you apparate incorrectly like do you leave like any of like your internal organs behind? Because you really can't live without that. Oh my god! What if you apparate and you just leave like your intestines in a pile on the sidewalk, but the rest of you goes where you're supposed to go? That's fucking horrifying. Yes. Oh my god. Okay, and okay, so this and the main reason. So the main thing this kind of reminds me of is that there is this Stephen King short story about like a magical future where it has like a technological version of kind of of apparating where like someone built this like weird device where you you go in one end and then like several million several hundred or millions of feet and miles away like you come right out so like a wormhole like a wormhole but the twist is the person who discovered it realized that conscious beings can't be awake for that process something like, it does something to people. Well, like, like small animals, it just kills straight out. But it kind of does something to the, like, human mind where it's sort of like, even though getting from one place to another is, like, a split second, it's sort of like, if you're, a, if you're conscious of what's happening, that time between one location to the other is untold amounts of time. And just, like, the conscious mind being unable to handle any of that. Uh, is actually, I mean, which is a really good concept and also like very horrifying. I mean, it's Stephen King. So the ending is, uh, upsetting, very upsetting. Yeah. The ending is upsetting, but I don't know. And so I think, so I think a lot about, about that. Cause like, right. It's like what sort of weird bending of space time is happening when you're apparating. And like, I think there's like, is there other concerns besides just splinching yourself? I think like. What happens if you don't arrive for whatever reason where you're going? Like, where are you? You know? You mean, like, can you get suspended in nothingness and just never arrive at your yeah. your destination? Yeah. Huh. I have to assume that the answer is no, given what we see of their lessons, because it really yeah. is just like, cool, try, you know? And That's true. the assumption is the worst thing that can happen is that you splint yourself and then we just fix you because apparently you're fine yeah i guess the other thing I'm, i have a question about is that and i mean obviously this is the twins 
kind of exaggerating the story about Charlie apparating just on top of some poor woman. And it's like, how? Like, what? <laughs> like, what is happening? Like, none of this sounds very safe, but. Oh, right. Because that does beg the question, like, can you apparate and land inside of someone? Can you land inside of a wall? Right. Or if it's like you're trying to go to where there's a higher elevation of where you are and you miss, are you just like up in the air, then you fall? Because you're like, oh, I didn't end up however many miles above sea level on land. See. Because that's, that's what it's making me sound like. Like Charlie like apparated like 20 feet off the ground and like fell on some poor woman or something. It's like. You know what? This is. This is why we were so excited when Chuck Tingle told us all about how the teleportation spell worked in his book. <laughs> these are the questions. These are the fucking questions that it's so important to know. Or not, I mean, it's not important, quote unquote, to the story, but to the reader, you know, it, in terms of world building, it really helps if you can be like, I want to think more about how that works and there are actual answers in the text for you. Right. And even if like we as a reader don't get all the answers, I want to at least have the sense that the author knows those answers. Because I mean, granted, like I love world building logistics, but like not everyone needs to know every like logistical detail of your created world. Like that's fine. But I still like you still need to know so you can have characters you know, you could like mention a thing you never get into, and that's totally fine as long as you know like the logistics and the process of how stuff works. So, especially when you have like a magic system. Yeah, and when you have these kids going to lessons as if it's driver's ed to learn how to operate, I think it's super reasonable to be like, I think that in those lessons, we should have at least three to four sentences that covers. Can you materialize inside of a wall by accident? Can you accidentally materialize hovering in space? Like, how does it account for the fact that the Earth is hurtling through space at an extraordinary speed? Exactly. We should get to have the answers to these questions. Mm Mm-hmm. But we don't. We don't. (laughs) And on that note, (laughs) um, are you done? I am done. Me too. We still managed to get an hour and a half out of this very short chapter. You know what? We haven't recorded in a while. We had a lot to say to each other. (laughs) (laughs) This is also very true. So much of this is just going to be on Patreon. Cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. Uh, If you haven't yet, you should totally read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and then check out our other podcast, Escape from Reality, which is spelled E-S-G-A-Y-P-E. Um, And if you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we have a Buffy podcast for our patrons called We Are the Gayers that you can check out by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegaylyprophet. I'm going all out of order, but like, whatever. All of those things are creations of hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. That's right. If you want to know when uh, the episodes of all these podcasts are coming up, you should follow us on Instagram and Twitter at thegaylyprophet. If you want to follow me on the internet, <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at uh, live from Detroit and on Twitter at uh, Jesse underscore Detroit. You can follow me on Instagram at Lark Malachi, or you can find me on my website, which is LarkMalachi.com. And if you want to, you can get a tarot reading from me there. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. 
And until next time. Just take a cap. <laughs> yes.